the gift of ministerial authority is that I can plant seeds in my choir director's mind months in advance and say, you know, that song with the 23rd third psalm that's from the woman's point of view? So thank you. That was my mother's gift to me and, oh, by the way, all of you. <laughs> thank you. Trout are made of trees. We can look out our window and see the leaves. It's spring, so not many are falling now, but some will. The rain's coming today. But in the fall, when even more make their way to the ground, they'll make their way to streams and lakes and creeks and arroyos and washes. And as they're covered up with water and carried on wherever they're going, there'll be algae and bioorganisms that will begin to eat up the leaves, that will turn the leaves into their host homes. And then in the water, there'll be larvae. There'll be dragonflies and stoneflies and shrimp flies that will then eat those small organisms. And then, as those hatch and become insects, there'll be all the fish and other animals that will eat the insects. And then there'll be the trout, who'll eat the minnows, who'll eat the dragonflies. Yeah, you know where I'm going. So trout are made of trees. But then bears will come, or other predators, and eat the trout. Or one of the two-legged predators that are good at fishing will catch the trout. So I could say that we bears and predators and humans are made of trees too. And I think about this on Mother's Day, and I think about this because of our conversation last week about theology and how does our, our theological thinking fit together and wonder, so we talked about this house and a house being a metaphor for your theological thinking, and I often wonder, is the Judeo-Christian construction of that house, um, is it talk enough about this interdependence of life, that we are trees? And I always think on Mother's Day about, there is a saying within a certain part of Buddhism that says all beings are our mother. The trees are our mother. The fish are our mother. And I remember when I first heard it, I thought, wait, wait, wait. The cockroaches are my mother? <laughs> and some of you will go, yeah. <laughs> I understand a cockroach is a mother. I had a difficult one. <laughs> I did not, but... Or, or I catch a lot of scorpion, uh, scorpions in my office, and there are some mothers that really sting. And I'm afraid I have done some of that stinging. So I did. I've wondered, um, 
does that house theology talk enough about what it means to be interdependent? And I'm not so sure it does. Or at least that's my, uh, my, my friends who are truly Jewish and Christian will say, oh, you just don't fully understand it all. And that's equally valid, but I need something really concrete. And when someone says, all beings are your mother, and that's our job to imagine that, then I take that seriously. Okay, all beings are my mother. So Julia Ward Howe, calling on women to bring an end to war, war becoming the ultimate thing that plays into that myth that we are divided that we are not interdependent and those who are on the other side or think differently or look differently or live on this uh, other side of this country line are not my mother, are not part of the interdependent web of life. And her call was that we reconsider that. And I think it's so easy to be a human being and forget we get caught up in this I'm alone, I'm unique, and it takes an imagination to interrupt that notion of ours. And we indulge in it. Unitarian Universalists are different, unique. So in the Judeo-Christian tradition, there are a lot of images of ladders, one thing above another, that hierarchy, God is on top, Jesus is maybe up there with him or somewhere in between. But again, that whole house analogy, there's a bottom and a top. And it's not just Buddhism, but Hinduism. The whole Eastern way of thinking is completely different. And they tend to think of it in terms of a circle, or a wheel. So the leaves fall and get turned into fish food that then fertilizes the trees and the leaves, like that. Buddhism is a corrective, it's a reformation, the way Christianity is a reformation of Judaism. Buddhism is a correction of Hinduism, and part of the correction is that caste system. Again, that hierarchy. So Hinduism had embedded in it early on that hierarchy of some people are better than others. And the other corrective that Buddhism brought in, Hinduism had a, had a, um, a very narrow part that was about being an ascetic, of going to extremes in fasting, And the Buddha came along and said, wait, wait, (laughs) you can fast too much and you can eat too much and what you need to do is stay in the middle. Avoid those extremes, the middle path. So Buddhism is a, a reformation, like the reformation of which we are a part of Christianity. Wait, wait, no creeds. We, we, We need room to doubt and think. So that notion of a circle, 
Buddhism brings into Hinduism and says, no, life is not a caste system. We are all part of something much bigger, much bigger. And one of the modes of thought has created a, um, they don't call it a god, but the notion of someone who has spent so much time trying to understand how life works and is willing to let go of their need to create hierarchies and to use their language to become enlightened is a bodhisattva. A bodhisattva. Now here's what I love about the bodhisattva. So the bodhisattva is someone who's wise and wonderful and is enlightened, could, could head off to whatever enlightenment is, nirvana, And the bodhisattva says, no, (laughs) my work is not done. I recognize in the hard work I had to do that I need to stay behind and help everyone else. So the bodhisattva is like the one in the rowboat who sees everyone else in the water. Some people are on their back, floating, looking up the sky, But there are others who are treading as fast as they can and going under. And the bodhisattva in the boat is the one who's willing to reach out a hand and say, come on board. And the bodhisattva is not going to stop until every single person, because even that one lying on their back, is ultimately going to get tired and need help. So I love that image of the bodhisattva. So our job here is not just to better ourselves, but dang it, we have to help everybody else. (laughs) So there is no spiritual hierarchy and someone more better, more better than you are. I wondered what image ended up there. So Buddhism... Uh, like all religion, travels. And so in Tibet, the Bodhisattva has a specific god name, and that's Ashkito... I've forgotten it. Ashkito... Ashkiteshvrila. There's a reason that I'm struggling with that. And the Chinese, once that image of the Bodhisattva and that name made its way to China and Japan, they said, "Uh uh-uh, we're not using that, that word. We'll call this Bodhisattva, and we'll make her female. So they gendered the Bodhisattva. We'll call her Yan Quinn. So much easier to say. (laughs) And she had a, a mate. But what we're interested in is the female bodhisattva today. And if you'll notice, she has, it's supposed to be a thousand hands. A thousand hands. And inside, I don't know if you can see, but inside the thousand hands are a thousand eyes. So this bodhisattva that's in this fabulous boat has a thousand hands and and eyes to see who is suffering and who needs to be pulled out of the water And it's not just idiot compassion. It's not just about helping any and everyone. They give this god, S, 11 heads as well. So it really takes 
wisdom and thought to effectively help those who are treading water. And knowing, this is, this is the hardest thing about being a parent and being a mother, is knowing when to let your child or your friend or your family member tread a little more water so that they can learn to swim on their own so that you could be busy helping those who really can't make it. So I find that Bodhisattva and Yan Quinn just a, a lovely image. And I happen to know, and I'm sure everyone who was a parent thought, oh my God, if I could have a thousand arms and a thousand hours, I might be able to do this job or do it well. So we talk about the bodhisattva and the imagination that comes down to us so that that when we go about the world, we can picture what it means to be a bodhisattva each and every moment in our life, what it might mean to have a thousand arms and what it might mean all of us now have a thousand arms if we joined hands. So we have thousands upon thousands of hands and eyes and heads. I had something. I had a quote for you. Because it's not just religion who talks about this interdependence. I wanted to let you know and remind you that virtually every country and every philosophical tradition talks about the importance of remembering our connection to each other and that the world indeed is a wheel and not a ladder. So Marcus Aurelius, so he was a Stoic emperor, Roman emperor, but wrote in Greek, wrote, um, wrote 12 volumes of meditations, his thinking about what it meant to live a reasonable, compassionate, wise life. And he writes, all things are interwoven with one another. A sacred bond unites them. There is scarcely one thing that is isolated from another. Everything is coordinated. Everything works together in giving form to the one universe. The world order is unity made of multiplicity. So our job on Mother's Day is to always picture that we have a thousand arms and that we're not alone and that we're not on a ladder but we're part of a wheel and that we are made of trees. And who says that even more forcefully to us as Americans today is that Kentucky poet farmer Wendell Berry who has lived his life pretty much within a few square miles in a specific part of that state So is a man of bounded geography, but also a man of the world because he understands that what happens in his farm, so it goes with the world. We are destroying our country because of our failure to imagine it. And he's writing in a book called American Imagination, and just like Julia Ward Howe, it happens to be in response to the Civil War. 
that marker of glory and bloodshed. By imagination, I do not mean the ability to make things up or to make a realistic copy. I mean the ability to make real to oneself the life of one's place or the life of one's enemy. And therein, I believe, is implied imagination in the highest sense. I think that's our work as a religious community, is to use the imagination to imagine we have a thousand arms and who we're pulling out of the water is not necessarily our best friend. I have a friend, we've discussed the Bodhisattva, and she always says, I am not ready to help the abuser of my best friend. I'm sorry, I just can't go there yet. And there may be some sitting here going, if Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton or Ted Cruz were looking for a hand up, could you do it? So that's part of the imagination work that we have to do to know that we can't leave anyone behind. We all have to be bodhisattvas with a thousand arms. And that is indeed what mothers are. And I want to talk about, since the, the deity became gendered, we live in this modern age where we can talk about mothering and let go of that binary male and female, that we have families now and mothers who are of all stripes, shapes, and all along the gender spectrum. So there are families with two dads, and they're both mothers And I have to say, in my family, the men have been mothers as well. So what does that mean? It means those who are willing to reach out and pull someone in. So may we all be bodhisattvas today and tomorrow and the day after. So may we have Mother's Day for the whole year. Happy Mother's Day.